a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Well, we have come off a pretty crazy midterm election cycle in January. The newly elected, the 2023 freshman class will be gaveled in and sworn in, and many of them are making history. And so we wanted to dig in a little bit in terms of who are they? What do we know about this freshman class? And the Washington Post put together just a fantastic infographic breaking down the newest members of Congress. And uh, here to help us break all of that down and get to know these uh, freshmen in Congress, uh, really pleased to have Derek Hawkins uh, joining us. He's a reporter covering national and breaking news at the Washington Post. Derek, thanks for jumping on. Thanks for having me on. Well, let's dive into this. Uh, really well done in terms of who these folks are. But let's uh, let's start with uh, some of these elected officials uh, who've never done this government thing before. Yeah, that was one of the interesting takeaways. You know, as we were kind of watching the results come in and looking at who won and lost, I kind of noticed that there were a lot of folks who had pretty much no government experience or no notable government experience and. uh they're an interesting mix. You know, it's Democrats and Republicans. Uh, you have a number of folks who owned small businesses, uh, but you also had former Navy SEALs like Derek Van Orden and Eli Crane. Uh, also, Eli Crane, kind of interesting. He started, uh, you know, when he was uh, discharged, a company that makes bottle openers out of decommissioned 50 caliber rounds. Uh, you have uh, Mike Collins from Georgia. He's a trucker. You got a meteorologist in there. You have a few others who've been around government for a, a long time. Max Frost and uh, and and uh, the representative from uh, Illinois, Jonathan Jackson, uh, who's the son of Jesse Jackson. You know, they've worked on political campaigns. They've done advocacy work. But in terms of public service, they've never actually held elected office before, so they're newcomers as well. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, we've been talking a lot about age, uh, the age of the president, the age of uh, the House leadership. Obviously, the Democrats are having a big turnover uh, from really a leadership uh, by those in their 80s uh, to something a little different. What does the uh, age look like in terms of this freshman class? It's a lot younger than previous years. You know, you look back, and the Congressional Research Service measures it by average age and not median. So it's a little skewed. But uh, if you look, you know, typically the average age of a, of a newly elected member of the House is somewhere around 50 in most years, or at least the past six or seven Congresses. For new senators, it's more like the mid-50s. Uh, but this year so far, and given granted there are a couple races that are still on call, but uh, the average age for incoming House members is around 46. That's pretty young, and that's skewed very young, much younger by some of the folks who are in their 20s and 30s. Uh, the average age for a senator coming in is uh, just shy of 50. And so it's um, 
it, it's really changing the face of Congress. Like you said, you know, President Biden turned 80 on Sunday. You had uh, Speaker Pelosi, who's in her early 80s. Uh, you have Chuck Grassley, who uh, is uh, 89, oldest senator, I believe, right now. Yeah. Diane Feinstein. So there's a lot of folks who are way up there, you know, and uh, you've got a lot of new faces coming in now. So it really is. It, it's. I, I think Congress is going to start to look a bit different, uh, with especially with given this incoming. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, which is great. And I I love the number of entrepreneurs and small business owners. And I actually love the fact that some of them have never been in government before. I think those fresh eyes are uh, important for both Democrats and Republicans. We know there's 46 new Republicans, 37 new Democrats. Plus, we've still got a couple races yet to call. Uh, One of the other things you pointed out in your piece, Derek, was uh, there's a a lot of history being made by uh, some of these freshmen. Tell us about that. There really is, you know, and Congress in general has diversified uh, over the past four or six years quite a bit. Uh, this year wasn't quite as easy to kind of put in the box. Uh, you know, in 2018, there was a, a real narrative with the number of women that were elected. Uh, you saw a lot of people of color as well in 18 and 20. This year, you know, it, there, there was a lot of that, too, and a lot of interesting kind of miscellaneous first that we saw. Uh, you had a number of Latinas making history. You had um, Delia uh, Ramirez in Illinois, first Latina from Illinois. Uh, Yadi Caraveo in Colorado, first uh, Latina. And then Oregon sent two Latinas, kind of broke a double record. Andrea Salinas, a Democrat, and Lori Chavez DeRemer, uh, a Republican. And uh, so, you know, that was really interesting. Again, I, I think the face of Congress is changing. It's continued to change. We're on track. Again, this is with the caveat. There's a few California races that could change this, I think. But um, we're on track to see, I think, a record number of Hispanics and women in Congress. It's marginal. It's not the big jumps that we've seen in the past four years. But probably by one or two representatives, uh, we'll see that. You know, you also had uh, a number of other firsts, the first Indian-American to represent Michigan, uh, Shri Ganadar. You also have the first black woman to represent uh, Pennsylvania in Congress, Summer Lee. And then um, and then some other interesting ones that kind of have a national significance, like George Santos. I mean, I almost didn't believe this when I first saw it, but there's never been an openly gay Republican elected to Congress. There are some who've come out in Congress or have been outed and then won re-election. But uh, as, in terms of just appearing on the ballot for the first time, George Santos, Republican of New York, is that. Uh, so, again, you know, really interesting mix of folks. Yeah. Any others that uh, kind of surprised you as you were uh, putting that all together? Yeah. Mark Wayne Mullen. Uh, I didn't realize it had been so long since we had a Native American in Congress or in the Senate, rather. 
Uh, he's uh, a representative currently. He's going to be representing Oklahoma uh, in the Senate now. That's the first uh, in just shy of 20 years, I believe. Mm. Also, Becca Boleyn is the first woman to ever represent Vermont. And that's a big barrier breaking right there. Uh, Vermont was the last state to never send a woman to Congress, if you can believe that. And then we've got our first Gen Z member of Congress, Maxwell Frost, all of 25 years old from Florida. Yeah, man, great stuff. And uh, before I let you go, let's uh, let's kind of project forward a little bit with uh, this fresh. It's always interesting to see how the freshman classes play out. Uh, they obviously run as outsiders for the most part. Uh, you have a few that have kind of been in the system for a while. Uh, they all come in. Uh, we were chatting last week about the fact that, you know, during this uh, time where they're going through orientation, uh, you can find so many of them carrying big binders around lost in the uh, the hallways underneath the Capitol as they try to figure out how to get from that's their right, office. That's right. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you see as the uh, – what do you project as kind of the influence? What will, what will they come in? Will they come in and kind of assimilate their way in, or is this a freshman class that really could be notable uh, both for Democrats and Republicans? You know, that's a really interesting question. I think on the Republican side, even though – Overall, I think election deniers took a hit uh, in this election. The, the, their numbers ostensibly grew or a little bit bigger than they were with the roughly 22, 24 that were elected. And so I, I'm going to be looking, we're all going to be looking at whether or not uh, they continue to push that, you know, especially in 2024. Or if there's some lingering races, you know, like the governor's race in Arizona, you know, well, where they'll use their platform to sow some doubts about that. Or if when they get there, there is that assimilation that you talked about with Democrats, I think, um, you know, Democrats as a, a party as a whole don't have the same kind of party discipline that the Republicans do. Uh, they're more of a party of, of groups and factions. So it'll be interesting to see what caucuses uh, some of these new folks join and what kind of tensions that creates and how the new uh, party leader resolves them. Yeah, I think that's going to be fascinating. I think how uh, what appears to be Hakeem Jeffries' uh, uh, path to, to being the minority leader and how he's able to keep all of those coalitions. It was one of the things, whether you loved Nancy Pelosi's policies or not, you had to admire her, her ability to bring all of those groups together uh, to get the agenda done. And it'll be interesting to see how she was a coalition builder. Yeah. And uh, so it will be interesting to see how uh, the new leadership deals with a lot of these factions and if they can still unite and uh, get behind uh, one uh, singular vision there. So that'll be really extraordinary. Uh, Derek Hawkins, a reporter covering national and breaking news at The Washington Post. Derek, great job. Great piece. Terrific insight. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. All right. Again, that's Derek Hawkins from The Washington Post. And it's always fun to look at the freshman class. Uh, they come in with a lot of high hopes and a lot of energy. And the question is, what happens once they get there and they start to govern and they start to deal with uh, some of the challenges of either being in the majority or being in the minority and how they navigate those, how they stand up for their districts or for their states. Uh, so many interesting things that we'll continue to watch here. We'll go ahead and step aside for some bottom of the hour news. When we come back, one of the nation's largest rail unions has rejected a proposed contract threatening a strike just ahead of the busiest Christmas season. And so what happens next? We'll talk about it coming up. Stay with us. I'm Dave Cauley 
investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.